So my friends, uh, we had the pleasure of having Tyron Daniel come, uh, Tyron and Nicole Daniel come and be with us this past uh, week. Many of you, if not all of you, I think, I don't know, were, were here. Uh, it's a real pre- privilege for me personally. Um, it just is such a reminder of the, of the privilege that we have of partnership um, with not just people who come in and, and fill a pulpit for a week, people who come and invest into and care about and leave from this place, continuing to pray for, carrying us in their hearts, sowing without any, um, or coming here without any kind of personal and return, or you know what I mean? Like there's no, they, they paid their own way to get here. They don't, there's nothing in it for them necessarily. Um, even though we did, and thank you for those who sowed into that offering to give to um, the, 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 the Daniels, I felt like we were able to bless them, and that makes me happy. But, um, but they don't come for that at all, and they have absolutely no guarantee or expectation whatsoever. What I'm saying is I'm so grateful for partnership. Such a beautiful thing. And uh, that happens at a translocal level, and partnership happens within the local level, you and, you and us together. And so that is what we're going to touch on today. I feel like we would be amiss if we didn't go back to the things that Tyron spoke into this past week and just massage this in and continue to, to establish there's something of Tyron and what he, what he spoke. It's not about Tyron. At the end of the day, it's what has the word of God said about the church. So what he spoke on specifically is being planted. The realities, the biblical reality of being planted. And so I want to ask us if we could perhaps be willing to not just come into this church plant with all the preconceived ideas of what it means to be planted in a church or be a part of a church, but let's go back and be willing to look honestly at the scripture of what it means to be planted. Why do we want to do that? Because we want to see this church be everything that God has called it to be. And to the best of my understanding... We will never see all of what God has for us so long as we're the ones determining how this thing works. But we humble ourselves to go back to the source, back to what he has said. It's actually not rocket science. He's already spoken. And while it's wonderful that the Holy Spirit breathes upon the written word of God and speaks it, makes it fresh and alive, and we need that, God has already spoken. And so we want to humble ourselves as a church and look at what does it mean to be planted. Why? Because as you and I are planted in what God is called to do, not just giving it our college try, giving it, a, giving it a go, or kind of seeing how it fits comfortably into my life, but looking at the Word of God and allowing God, regardless of whether it makes sense or not, God plant me, then we will see the promises of God. And that's not just um, for the church called Border City Church. I mean, I almost kind of wish we didn't have a name, if if I'm honest. So it could just be like us. You know what I'm saying? We have to have a name. The government makes us have a name. I don't think about it as an organization. Those who God has called to be planted here, to be a part of this church. So um, I want to say this. Please, as we're talking, don't feel pressure. There's no pressure We're not imposing any kind of thing on you that you now need to do. There's no to-do list, something that you have to perform and do in order to really, don't, don't, there's no pressure. However, there is the word of God and it would be poor leadership 
to not articulate and put before us what it really means to get to where God has called us to go. So let's, let's review, and then these five things that, that uh, Ty talks about being planted, and then I want to just move from that into the more larger picture of receiving by faith the word of God. Because ultimately, these five points that he makes about being planted, and, and again, I'll just remind you of, of what they are. Gates in government. If you don't understand what the heck that means, that's okay. We'll explain. Gates in government, gatherings, um, giving, growing, and going. Gates in gov- gates or government, let's just say g- gates. The, the scripture says that the elders sit at the gates. That's what he means by that. So gates, gatherings, um, gro- uh, giving, growing, and going. And I specifically want to talk on, just reference the first two a little bit more. And, uh, and then we'll move from there. So this first one, gates and government. So as we just said, the, the, the idea that there, every believer is called to be planted in a local church. You can't read the New Testament, the scriptures speaking, especially the epistles. You can't read it, the instruction, and separate it from the idea of a community of local church gathering, of, of, of a body of believers. If you look, I challenge you to do a search, for those of you who are, who are didactic and, and, uh, and Bible students in here, look, do a search in the New Testament of every time the, 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 the wording, one another, appears in the New Testament. You cannot obey the things that the Bible says to do one another apart from local church family community. And so if that's the case, if, if the whole Bible is written from the premise that every believer is a part of a local church, then you've got this thing in the New Testament that's, that speaks of elders leading this local church, every single local church, not just an elder. Ultimately, it's a multiplicity. It's a team. And if that's the case, that would suggest everybody needs to be planted in a local church that is being led by some human leadership called elders, together with the assistance of deacons. It's very simple, actually. And so to be planted is to at least acknowledge the elders at the gates. In other words, acknowledge that there is some leadership that God has established, and if I can't get behind that leadership and follow, I don't need to be in that church. And that's not like me doing the, you know, like the, the, uh, what's the name? Like the, you know, you better submit here or else you need to get out of my, my town. I'm the sheriff around here. No, we're not, we're not, we're not saying that. We're saying everybody needs to find a church where you can submit yourself and follow, not be controlled, but submit and follow and be accountable. Everybody does. And so it's kind of like when you come into one local sheepfold, you need to acknowledge and have a relationship with uh, the elders that are at the gates there, so to speak. So Hebrews 13, 17. And and I want to read this scripture because it puts it in the proper context. Because some of you could be mistakenly thinking, oh, well, that's, you know, you're the elder, Paul. Let's remove the elephant from the room here. (laughs) 
<laughs> you're the elder and you're telling us all to submit and acknowledge your authority. Uh, submit to and acknowledge your authority. Well, let me explain what the scripture says about that. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So actually, the context of being submitted to spiritual leadership is creating a safe place where somebody else is going to have to take the burden before the Lord of anything that they say to us, where we're not required to just accept blindly everything that's said to us, but through relationship, there's a bridge of trust, and they give an account for well watching over your souls. So this isn't about personal, it's about principle. Does that make sense? Uh, as those will give an account, but here's the important thing in a sense, let them do this with joy, not with groaning. You ask yourself the question, what would make, what would make it grievous for someone to be leading you? You know what I'm saying? You might want to fill in the blanks of what that might, what that might be, but check this out. Uh, with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you, or another translation says that would be unprofitable to you. The whole context is not about serving the leader, them getting you to do their thing and all that. Kind of, it's not about that. And if you are in a church where that is the case, then get out of that church. Because the, the leadership in the body of Christ and in the kingdom of God is first and foremost service. Service to the Lord to follow where he's going. And then the Lord calls some who are following him to, to be anointed to lead others into what. And it's all a service. It's all serving to help the will of God be done. And um, it's ultimately for the profit of the child of God. Yes. It's not about the profit of the pastor. And we have seen many churches, big charismatic mega churches, where it's kind of all about the personality of the leader. It's built around serving this man. That's not it. Jesus is the only superhero. But let's not allow that reality to make us believe that there's somehow no longer leadership in the body of Christ that we all need. So here's the deal. As you develop in your call, you need to be accountable somewhere. The more the Lord entrusts you to have influence, the more you need to be accountable and be being influenced. Every eldership team needs to be accountable, not some document, some thing that we're technically accountable. No, like at a heart level, invited authority, humble posture, receiving input from a translocal team. This eldership does that. And uh, every person who has any form of leadership needs to be accountable to the eldership of, uh, of the church. Is that good? Yeah. Even if it's not good, this is, this is, this is our conviction. I want to humbly submit this. Please, I'm not trying to like heavy-handed. I'm saying this is the scripture. And we will build according to our revelation of scripture here, unapologetically. Not, I'm not trying to be heavy-handed. I'm saying this is how this is done. We do these things, these five things are being planted. We can have faith to see the promises of God fulfilled. If we don't, if we try to decide what it means to be planted and not listen to what the Bible says but do it our own way... It's just unprofitable for ourselves. Number two is uh, gatherings. And so um, I, we've said from, from back the vision gatherings that we had before we officially planted, um, there are four simple things 
that we see a New Testament church pattern, especially in the book of Acts, with the early, the first local church that ever existed in the, in the city of Jerusalem, we see the Bible describing what their gatherings look like. Now, that may not be, you know, I don't know. I'm going to pick on Bob over here. Bob may not have woken up this morning feeling like, I wonder what gatherings in the church should be about. <laughs> Maybe we don't all think about this. I have spent hundreds and hundreds of hours thinking about this, praying about it, researching scripture. And uh, I'm, I'm not, please, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying this is important, and I understand that not everybody finds it exciting or important. But if we're going to gather together as a church, again, we don't need to arbitrarily decide what we do in these gatherings. God's the one who has given us a formula, a pattern, a blueprint for what things we need to focus on in our church gatherings to accomplish what he's called us to do. Four things out of Acts 2, 42. It says that they continued steadfastly. Now, if you look at the original Greek that's, con- that's translated there into continued steadfastly, it would mean that they wholeheartedly devoted themselves in this early church to these four things. And I, I want to ask us all to let this be a church that continues steadfastly and devotes ourselves, prioritizes ourselves to these four things. The apostles' teaching, in other words, the word of God or the apostles' doctrine, the, the proclamation of the word of God, fellowship, Time with each other, relationship. Not just me hanging out with Mandy, but but us having times in church community, the larger fellowship, breaking of bread. Now, some of you would think, what do you church is where you go and you listen to the pastor speak and you worship and hopefully the band is like jamming and rocking and that's what church is. And like I pay my tithe there, that's, that's church. Breaking of bread, no. Even if that seems like the optional extra in today's church, it wasn't to the early church. Fellowship over meals was fundamental to regular gatherings. Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. And then prayer. Once again, another, like, it's only like the really diehard committed Christians who actually go to the prayer meetings. No, I mean, yeah, but... It's, it's as, as important as what we're doing right now. So those four things, and, and uh, you know, this is why we, I don't believe that you have to necessarily have one meeting for the teaching, one meeting for sharing food. There, you can do multiple things in, in some, but you can't just have a Sunday morning gathering. And this is why we have community groups. Not because it's another thing that we want to do, it's to facilitate what God has spoken Does everybody hear that? It's not another ministry or thing that we do. It's responding to what he has said. And we put something in place to facilitate what he has said. Unless you do something with what he said, it will never happen. But he says, I want my church to be a family. Therefore, we gather together and we share meals. And we do a journey with each other. And we share life. And we pray for one another. And we get in each other's lives that birth something of relationship that also is developed outside of these meetings. Tomorrow, would you mind sharing quickly your testimony? Recently, I texted you. You said yes. You remember that? Okay. Come on up here because, because Tamora is in a community group uh, that we, we meet in Detroit, and we've been praying for some stuff in her life, and I want you guys to just celebrate with her about what God's done with her. Yeah. 
Okay, so um, I needed a vehicle and I was asking God for um, a vehicle and I had some of you agreeing with me in prayer for it and um, I thought about it, um, the things that come with it like insurance and you know, keep upkeep and everything and I'm like, wait God, wait, wait, wait. Um, I want a car that I don't have to pay a note or pay for. Change, change the prayer a little bit. So um, I left it at that. And then sat, uh, Saturday, I got a text message just out of the blue from somebody who um, used to come here, Nancy. And she said, hey, um, do you need a car? And I said, uh, yeah. So then she texts back, okay, cool, we'll deliver it Sunday night, Sunday evening. And that was the the free car that I had prayed for. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, so um, I, I was so excited with just the text. I knew, I, like, I knew it was God. It couldn't be yeah. anybody else. Like, why would she think to just text me, you know? So, yeah. That's awesome. Oh, and how they end up with a car. They, uh, Nancy recently got married. And so her and her husband together, they had too many cars. And they're like, we need to give this one to somebody. And that's when Nancy brought me up. Like, let me see if she needs a car. So that's how I got it. That so cool. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Tamora. You're welcome. <laughs> So this thing of community, this thing of being in a, in, on a journey together, it's, it's I want to, again, I'm in it to win. Amen. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm in this thing to win. Right. To see the promises, to inherit the promises yeah. of God yes. here in this earth. Yes. And, uh, if you, and if you're in it to win, you look for the way. Yeah. It's hunger that drives you to the way. And, when, yes. and, and for us as children of God, we should be in it to win. We should be in it to see the promises that God has spoken over us fulfilled. And the more hungry we become, the more we look to the, to the word of God, the pattern. How, how does this happen, God? And uh, I want to say, without community, yeah. not just this thing. Tomorrow and I are not going to really share community today. We'll high-five each other. We'll say, how was your week? We're going to share coffee, and then we jet. That's not, that's not, but without spending time getting into the life... And then taking as a brother and praying into this thing, yeah. uh, or whatever it is, that, that was one thing. There's other wonderful things that are happening out of this, yeah. if I can so say, yeah. myself. <laughs> God opening up doors for us to go into her neighborhood and even our neighborhood. Um, wonderful stuff. That doesn't happen lest we gather together. Yeah. So I want to honor Jesus in honoring what he's building. Uh, the scripture says this, Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider... Oops. How we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And um, as I said, we got various meetings. This one, this one here, we'll, we'll have each, high five each other. We'll have a little bit of, you know, chatter afterwards. This isn't the atmosphere where we're going to spur one another on to love and to good works. Does that make sense? 
So we need to have atmospheres where we, where we spur each other on, where we're considering, where we're not forsaking the getting together, but we're considering how can we prioritize being involved in one another's life so that we can spur each other on and be spurred on by others. That, my friends, is biblical pattern for the church. And we are asking everybody to prioritize that and be planted in that, because so much of the New Testament will never be fulfilled without that in place. Right. We have to be together to be a family. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite simple. And then thirdly, giving our time, treasures, and talents. I'm not going to really touch on that, but just remind us, this thing, this thing does require those, those elements of our lives. Time requires our finance and the resources that we have. By the way, do you know uh, how they tithe in the Church of Jerusalem? I could get in trouble with this because I, I could seriously <laughs> share a message that I'm not intending on. But they, they sold everything. Everything that people had, they, they collectively shared so that no one had any need. And what I'm saying is, in essence, there was no tithe in the Church of Jerusalem. When you receive Jesus, you give everything to him. And in that, everything that you have is given to what he's building, i.e. the church. Amen. That's being planted. <laughs> so it's giving our time, our treasures, and our talents, not out of some duty or look how good of a Christian I am. Man, I gave this much. No, 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 no. Jesus has control. He has authority over my life, my heart. I am his. Fourthly is growing. Ty, Ty said, you may be mature. There are some who are coming into this church plant. You, you, relatively speaking, you may be mature, but there's more. And I'm asking for myself and everybody in this room, can we commit ourselves to continue to grow? Yes. To be hungry to continue growing? Yes. There's more. And if God has brought you to this church, Ty was saying, he'll use this church to further mature you. That's a heart posture that determines whether or not that happens. If we're just like here to see and to kind of do this and that and help with this and that kind of thing, as opposed to, Lord, I may be coming here with maturity. I may have stuff that most of the people in this room don't have, and I I need to be helping them. God still wants to use this experience, this church, to mature you in areas that you haven't. Myself included. Rodney Lloyd, like... Pastor of this big church in Bloomfield Hills, and he's known around the world with his incredible teaching gift and blah, blah, blah. I guarantee you, if you were to talk to him, is posturing himself in this little church plant with his son-in-law. But it's not about son-in-law. Yes, in the family, we have a family-son-in-law relationship, but in the kingdom of God, it's not just son-in-law. It's ministry gifts. It's me a son of God, him a son of God. And he's had experiences I've never had. And I want to hear and receive from him. But he's also here wanting to mature. And I want to publicly honor him for that as an example to all of us. Hunger to continue growing and receiving from wherever it comes from. If we're not hungry, we're not going to get fed. Part of being planted, my friends. And then fifthly is is going. uh, Which ultimately is the mandate of the church. Without a doubt, incontrovertible evidence Jesus ends his thing in all four gospels and the book of Acts with commissioning his church to go 
And so I just want to point out, practically speaking, let's all be going Mm -hmm. in our personal life. Every single person in here lives in the neighborhood. You probably go to a place of work. You, you cross paths. You are in a grocery store. You are, you are around homo sapiens in your ordinary rhythms of life. And little do you know it, perhaps, but God has called you to make an impact in those places. Not preaching from a street corner and cramming the Bible down people's throats, but engaging people and praying for them and asking God to open up doors to minister. I'm going to share one such thing that happened to me on Friday. In my rhythms, just to let you know, this isn't theory to me. This is lifestyle. I'm asking everybody to be on mission in your normal life. And then let's partner in our togetherness with things like Detroit Public Schools and this Detroit Rescue Mission Ministries that I mentioned earlier. Let's throw our weight behind and help preach the gospel, minister to our community together. Some of you, and some people who aren't with us yet, who will be in this room or whatever room we meet in in the days and years to come, will go to the nations. And will be sent from this place to plant churches and, and, to, and to impact other places in other regions, in America and beyond. That's not just hype. I guarantee you that will happen. I guarantee you. Because God's called us to it. So Tyron says this. With regards to everything we just said, it's not about can you do it, but, but about did God say it. That's what I want to get to here. Because the things that we're discussing do require, on many levels, adjustments to our heart and even to our actions. And if it's just something that Pastor Paul, don't please don't call me Pastor Paul, by the way, just call me Paul. It happens to be a pastor. Uh, if it's just something I'm saying, if it's just something Ty says, it's going to be pressure, it's going to be duty. If it's something that God has said, then there's grace and Holy Spirit empowerment to do what God has said, so long as our heart is open to receive what God is saying. It's not about can we do it. And I want to say the, the, the call that God has for us as a church or for any of us individually, it will never, ever be about can we do it. Yeah, right. Can we settle that right now? He does not need us to do what we can do. He needs us to believe. Jesus said, this is the work of God. This is the work of God to believe. It's not us putting in our efforts to try to do all this stuff. It is simply to believe. And those who truly believe take action. You cannot really believe without taking action. If we believe these things about the idea of God's blueprint of being planted in local church and how he's designed... Not necessarily for how all the other churches that we've seen in the past. The New Testament healthy church family community that is a family on mission. It is built around a blueprint and a pattern of these five things. And I want to see it happen. Yeah. Amen. I believe, I believe And so if he said it, then, then, then we can do it. Not, you know, earlier this year, some of you would remember that we had a kind of a prophetic picture of damn walls. And take the liberty to not explain that because I think most of you have heard it several times. But the damn walls, a picture of walls that would represent uh, dam- uh, walls in our heart. And that as those break down, waters come gushing forth. Yes. And uh, that they produce a river. And on either side of the river, there are trees that are lush, bountiful greenery. And the healing of the, excuse me, the leaves 
get, heal the nations. They're for the healing of the nations. That picture is found in Ezekiel 47 and Revelation 22. What is that river? What is the water? It's the spirit and it's the word. And if we can be people who listen to what God is saying, the word, the river will flow. Okay? So having said everything we just said, I want to touch on that idea of how is this church built ultimately? Yes, we talked about some principles of being planted, but ultimately even undergirding, undergirding all that. We can't even do those principles without first having a heart that is postured to hear God. Ultimately, the path that we have before us as a local church is simply one of following Jesus. And we cannot follow one that we are not able to physically see lest we hear him with our heart. That skill of hearing him in our heart is the number one uh, commodity of a local church. Faith comes from hearing the voice of God. And what God is doing is all coming out of our faith. So if you'll look with me to Matthew chapter 16, I want to talk about that. The church being built on revelation, the word of God. Matthew chapter 16, I'm not going to read it. I'm actually going to probably say it from, just say it. Uh, But Jesus is with his disciples in a place called Caesarea Philippi. He has this famous conversation that many of us would be familiar with. The, he, he asks his disciples, who do men or the people around town say that I am? And so he's, it's a series of very strategic questions that he's asking. He's first asking, what is the talk around town of who I am? It's very important, my friends, this idea of who is Jesus. All of us come into this meeting this morning with various ideas of who Jesus actually is. And he says, who do men say that I am? And they say, well, some say that you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he says, okay, that's, a, that's, the, that's, that's what CNN is saying. That's what NBC is saying. Okay, that's cool. Who do you say that I am? Turns it on to them. And uh, Peter stands up from amongst the 12 and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Those words were total, utter blasphemy in that day. Now, we as 20th century or 21st century Christians, we don't think of it as blasphemous. It sounds like wonderful. Heard that scripture. I think it was like crocheted on the pillow or something. No, no. Those words were, were tantamount to heresy. And there's no way that Peter could have said that lest he had had some divine encounter that showed him something. That this guy is the son of God. And uh, it's Jesus' response to, to Peter, who had said the very thing that he was trying to get out of these 12, because Jesus knew he was going to be leaving the earth, and when he did, he needed a collection of people on the earth who had a certain faith in who he was in order for them to be able to build what he was building. Hope that makes sense. Yeah. And his response to Peter is, blessed are you, Simon, son of John. For flesh and blood, no man has revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. He's speaking into identity, my friends. Simon, son of John. This is where you've come from. This is your family. This is your surname. Simon, son of John. But my Father, 
my surname, if you will, my lineage has revealed this to you. And I say to you that you are not Simon, son of John. You are Peter. And upon this rock, you are Peter, translated meaning stone. And upon this rock, this boulder, what boulder? The boulder of what you just confessed about who I was. Upon this boulder of revelation that did not come from a man, it was revealed by the Holy Spirit through the Father. I, upon that rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. That church is still being built today and will be being built until that same Jesus returns to this earth. And he will come back to a spotless, mature bride. That is what we're building, my friends. How do we build that? Revelation. That we have the same kind of encounters that that same Peter had. And we identify ourselves with a new father beyond any of our natural background. I am no longer just Paul, son of Nick, or Dr. Nichols, or whatever you want to call him, David. I am Paul, a son of God. And so are you. Except you're not Paul. You're Jane. You're Minda. So a couple things that I want to say. Your calling, your calling in the building. First of all, let's go back a second. What is Jesus building? I want to hear some of the Minda say. What is Jesus building? His church. Can we let that settle into our thinking and our belief? That is what he's building, his church, his body on earth. You are called to be a linked up with him, an extension of him, so that he would use you in fulfilling that building project. Did everybody understand that? Your calling, Michael has a different gift than I do, Mickey has a different gift, Jason has a different gift. Your calling, what you have to supply into that picture, or what he supplies into the building through you, is determined by your revelation of him. As I pursue Jesus with all of my heart, I'm going to see another aspect of him than Craig. And I need what Craig sees of him. What I see of him will determine what I do and what I speak. What Craig sees of Jesus will begin to determine, should he act on his faith, determine what he uh, speaks and what he does. That is your calling. I don't I mean to I would say the Faraday's back there. Most people know. They've given themselves to starting a JJ's house in, in inner city Detroit. Is that because that's like a really Christian thing to do? Like, man, they must be really... No, it's because they've seen Jesus, the merciful and compassionate one, compassionate one towards those who are without a family. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Bob may not feel that same way. He loves what they do, but he may not be called to that. But what is Bob going to see of Jesus as he pursues Jesus. Are we, are we tracking here? Every person in here is called to simply follow and see the Lord, and what you see of him then fuels what you give into the church in which you're planted and those beyond. Okay, that's the first thing. The church is made of the revelation of each of its members. So as we move forward as a church in the days to come, you may see Michelle, the face, and you may see me, and you may see Rodney, and that's the human face of it, but there's something spiritual that has become established in our community, uh, uh, something that, of, of heaven that's come into earth. 
What is that? It's the collective joining together of all the various pieces that we bring and those who will be coming in to the church and what they have to bring as they follow Jesus. Making sense? Being planted enables you to impart what you have into the building. Have you ever, like, fixed uh, We had a dishwasher problem earlier this week. Have you ever, like... Or Bob is great. He works with... with um, Plumbing. No, you work with uh, sprinklers, installation and whatnot. Have you ever worked with gadgets like that, especially with something that has to do with water, and usually there's like something you connect and then you like twist it and you can hear it snap together? That's what being planted in the church is like. So you may have a supply, but that supply does not have its full impact until there's a snapping together that happens by being planted. That's why... We don't want to be planted just because it's the good thing to do. We want to do it because we want to see this thing work yeah. and be fulfilled. So being planted is what enables us to impart what it is that we have to give and to receive from others. Yes. Tamora would never have received some of the benefits of fellowship had she not actually gotten in a car and come to the house and shared a meal and <laughs> shared her life and not shared our lives. You know what I'm saying? Being planted is what... Uh, enables you to impart what you have into the building and to receive what others have. And um, it's kind of like in a building project. Anyone ever, we're, we live in Detroit, there's building projects happening all over the place. Anybody ever seen scaffolding before? So in a building, if, if you're framing a wall, in today's day and age, you usually have bricks, usually. And, um, and there can be scaffolding, you know, the metal things that you use to erect so that the builders can like, get up onto the next level and the, get on a platform so they can build on the second story and the third story and so on. That scaffolding, as helpful and wonderful as it is, it's not part of the wall, is it? And so being planted is the difference between being scaffolding, hanging around a church, helping out, versus being a brick that actually gets fitted into the wall. We want to be fitted into the wall. Now let me make this clear. If we're acting and living more like scaffolding, that helps this church. But it doesn't help you. You follow what I'm saying? We want to, to be a part of the wall because God has designed each of us to be a part of a wall that God is building. If you don't believe me, if you turn to 1 Peter 2.4. Um, <laughs> It used to be when you said things like that, you would hear the shuffling of papers, but it's like total silence. First uh, Peter 2.4 says this, As you come to him, the living stone, we're talking about a building, right? Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, who? Me. Are any of us exempt from this? No. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. And if we are living stones, and if you've ever seen a house made of stone, those stones need to be fitted together. Not next to and kind of like lying on the side. You find your place and lock into place. In relationship, in commitment. It's something of, and even identity. You become dissolved into something larger than yourself, and it's called local church. Ephesians 4.15 says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, 
from whom, listen to this, the whole body joined and held together by every joint. And it is possible to be going to a church, but for your joint to not be connected in through being planted. You can be physically present, but it doesn't mean you're planted. And it's in the act of being planted that it locks into place and releases what you have to give and to receive. So four points I want to make on that. Just read them. What Jesus is building is his. So from the local church, we go out. From being planted, we go out and do these other things that God has called us to do. But it starts with being planted. What Jesus is building is his church. In him, what we are called to do is to build his church. In other words, that same Jesus is building his church. He lives inside of Craig. He lives inside of me to do what he said he would do, build his church. That is what he's building. Spotless bride. Thirdly, these are sequential thoughts. He's building the church. In him, we're building the church. Thirdly, we only fully build and can be built when we are planted. And lastly, our part, what we have to build, it comes from the revelation that we have of him, from hearing his voice. So I hope everyone in here has a desire to hear the voice of God. Can I share a story with regards to that? So I'm just going to be very vulnerable with you. I know time's getting away from us, so we're going to shut it down, but I just want to share this story. Very vulnerable, very honest. Sometimes you take a risk in public just to let people know where, where you are. Um, but on Friday, I woke up and I was going through my time with the Lord. And I just wasn't really feeling the connection that I had been feeling. Some of you know I, we had some great training, heart healing training and breakthrough. And then I got nailed with sickness. And, um, and that, that kind of, I lost traction, to be quite honest with you. And my prayer, if I could say it this way, it felt like the way I was praying before I had all that good stuff happen. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It was like, I I don't want to go back. I want to keep on going forward, like into the sweet place that I had. And so I just began to work on some of this heart healing on myself. Lord, is there a wall in in my heart? And I began to see financial worry, stress around finances. And it wasn't like, you know, it could have seemed like, I, I just kind of had that, I just kind of knew that was, and so I started talking to God. Okay, God, um, where did that come from? And, and, and what do you, do, is there something you want to speak to me about that? And, uh, and immediately I just saw the word adoption. And I was like, okay, I'm adopted. I don't need to worry. He's my father. He's with me. And so I just began to confess and acknowledge I reject this, any fear that I've been carrying, and I receive the, the fact that I'm adopted. You're, you will provide for me. Yeah. I'm your son. Yeah. And um, as I began to, oh, I remember. As I began to do that, because the, the wall that I had been praying about was I wasn't feeling ready to go out and be a witness and to be who I needed to be. And as I began to take that place, release the financial worry, it's like I, I knew, it's like I was able to stand spiritually stand on two feet that just I didn't have to worry about that anymore and I suddenly felt released and felt free and felt ready to just be and to give of who I was and even felt faith that the Holy Spirit is on me yeah. and when I go into this time up at this 
training time at, at the real estate brokerage that I'm a part of, because I'm always wanting God to use those times, I just knew, I just had this faith. God's going to be with me. His angels are going to surround me. And so I go into my day and, um, and I had uh, something happen. Oh, we, we did a heart healing session uh, that morning and God's wonderfully ministered to a particular individual. Tears, encounter with God was lovely. I went directly from that place up to this training thing that I was doing at my real estate brokerage. And uh, the whole time, there's all these references. There, there's like this banter between me and the instructor. And, uh, but it generated all this interest in the calling that we have in Detroit and where's your church. At the very end, as I'm leaving, and there's this like, like this one guy is saying that he wants to give, he wants to uh, donate time to uh, helping in Detroit, so I was like, Detroit Rescue Mission Ministries, there's a school that we're going to help out with, and I even got JJ's house in the back of my head, and so he's like wanting to do this. Some other person asked about the church, and I described where we meet, and they're like, oh my gosh, I love that church, I know exactly, we've sold a house near there, I know exactly what you're talking about, and the instructor says, I once prayed that uh, God would allow, would let me um, get married there, and I said, well, we can, we can arrange that, so he said, yeah, but, uh, but I've I had a breakup with Jesus, so uh, and she and so I had to scoot. And she says, "So we're going to have a meeting on Tuesday. I have a meeting with this with this person to the coaching thing." She says, "So um, I'm going to help you with your business, but I'm I'm going to need you to help me with why I broke up with Jesus." Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. So that and that is that is awesome. What I want to say, my friends. I didn't do that. God did that. Honestly, it's that simple. What happened, if you go back to the beginning, I encountered a wall, something in my heart, something of a disconnect or whatever, and I postured myself to hear God, and he spoke to me about my financial worry. I wasn't even aware that I was trapped in that. And then he told me that I'm adopted. And, and, and hearing his voice birthed faith that I was able to walk in. I didn't try. I didn't have to do this thing. I just was me yeah. in this meeting. And, uh, you know, and kingdom stuff has happened. Yeah, amen. Yes. It's hearing the word of God. Yeah. I don't want anyone to plant themselves in this church short of hearing yeah. God yeah. as to what we're, we're, we're saying. We're all free. We're free to follow Jesus. So I'm going to end it with this. This week, today, every person who's a part of Border City Church is going to get an email from me. And uh, I'm going to have a Bible study for every person. Why? You're already thinking, oh my gosh, a Bible study. That's great. No. Go back to what I was just saying. Hearing him. That's why we study the Bible. And uh, one or two scriptures for each of those five points that Ty made about being planted I'm going to ask each of us to uh, read those scripture, read one of those points, gates on day one, gatherings on day two. Do you see what I'm saying? Two scriptures, and then I've got a very powerful formula to help you and me with studying scripture. Three questions for any scripture that you can read to ask yourself and to ask the Lord that will help you digest the scripture and get into a life of hearing God through the scripture. Good. 
So I'm going to share that with everybody today, this afternoon, you'll receive it in your inbox. And I encourage you to ask the Lord and let him speak to you about being planted so that you're hearing from him, not from me, because faith comes from you hearing him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's pray.